Hi there, and welcome to episode 5 of the Post-Match Pint podcast. This week we're trying something different. We're joined by a brand new guest, Mr Ollie King and Mr Joe Devadix, to discuss all things Newcastle United. Being lifelong Newcastle United fans, they take me through a bit of a journey of what it was like growing up as a Newcastle United fan, including their favourite players and best managers, and what it's like now being a Newcastle fan under Mike Ashley and the Steve Bruce reign. As you can probably imagine, it does get a bit heated at times. If you do like the podcast, please follow us on Instagram at postmatchpintpod and on Twitter at postmatchpint1. And let's get on with the episode. Lads, how are we? Chaplin. Not too bad. Very good, very good. Mr. King, how are we? Um, today good. we are joined by Joe Devidix and Ollie King. Um, it's a bit of a one-off special, lads. I will, I will, uh, this is the first of the kind on the Post-Match Pint podcast. Um, usually we go through the natural flow of how the Premier League table's looking and the results um, and some news throughout the news throughout the week as well as um, fan questions and things like that. Um, this week we're going to go go more in detail um, at the lovely club that is Newcastle United. Um, we have Ollie King and Joe Devidix here who are Newcastle fans um, looking at giving us an insight on how it's like to be a Newcastle fan, especially at the moment. Um, I'm sure them two will both agree that it's, it's tough times uh, on Tyne's side at the minute. Um, and they're going to tell us about the memories that they've got from Newcastle um, and how it's, how it's been growing up as a Newcastle fan. Yeah, Dev, we'll go to you first. Um, what were it like growing up as a Newcastle fan? Obviously, I know that you were a, a season ticket holder for many years. Um, give us a bit of insight about what it, what it was like growing up as a Newcastle fan. Yeah, it, was, it, it was an interesting one. Like The older I've got, the worse it's got. So, mm-hmm. I'd say all of my best memories of Newcastle were from when I was a kid. Yeah. From the Bobby Robson era, from the Chris Hewton, from Rafa, even though that wasn't too long ago. I think the the older I've got, the the more in the shit the club's got. Mm-hmm. Which is it's upsetting as a Newcastle fan. You want you want to you kinda want you want them to do well. And yep. at the minute that doesn't seem to be the case. And we can't really see anything that's going to go in a positive way for the club. Yeah, it is a bit doom and gloom at the minute. I, I like obviously Super. we we've got like obviously we're pals, but we've got you know a number of other Newcastle fans that we we all know. Um, it is a bit doom and gloom, especially at the minute living up in Newcastle and things like that. The city, the city bustles when Newcastle are doing well. When Newcastle are doing shit, it's it's a completely different place. I think you'll both agree on that. Uh, Ollie, I, I, completely. Yeah, oh, I, I completely agree. Ollie, we'll bring you in on that. Like, what, what was it like for you growing up as a Newcastle fan? Yeah, so for me, my, my, my earliest memories were at the sort of end of the Champions League era under Robson as a six, seven-year-old. You know, that, that was the time where for the last 20 years, it's the highest and best we've ever been. So <laughs> start, to start that as a kid and fall in love with the club and then just watch it go downhill since has been quite demoralising, to be honest with you. Um, we obviously, as Joe said there, we've 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 had a few great times in terms of uh, a few other areas, such as you know I would even say Pardew to be honest. Um, obviously, Rafa Pardew is is the example I use because we got fifth in with him one season. Yeah, that's yeah, got that's crazy. And got the signings, the shrewdness of the deals that we that we got through there. Denver Bar, Papi Cici up top. Honestly, no fan could have predicted that season at all. Yeah, I think I think that season goes a bit goes a bit missed sometimes. Everyone slagged off Pardew for ages, and then you kind of you finished fifth that year. Um, but I think the signings pulled you through. Um, it was an interesting season that one because after that year, Papi Cissé couldn't kick a football. Yeah, like, yeah, he I can had remember one, that. Like, the, the half a season that he was that he joined for that we finished fifth, he he could he could hit everything, yeah, and then the yeah. season after he just disappeared. Yeah, I remember that season really, really oh, well. Strange. Yeah. Thirteen goals in half a season, including Nuts. that that absolutely outstanding, uh, defying physics goal against Chelsea. Oh, mm. yeah, the special that, goal, that the is, special goal. Without a doubt, one of the greatest goals I've ever seen, and the fact that he's a Newcastle player makes it even better. Yeah, we'll go into that definitely more later. I feel that'll be up there with one of the uh, the big memories of yours oh. when uh, when we go into the best players and things like that. Um, yeah, I have to sympathise with you boys. I, I, I do. Um, 
being a Leeds fan, I've kind of experienced a similar path, um, you know, with the 2000 team when we got relegated. Obviously, it's no, it's been nowhere near as bad. Um, well, until now, really, I'd say that Newcastle's following the the exact same path as what Leeds followed at that at that time. Um, I mean, I don't think for a second Newcastle United are ever going to drop as low as League One. Um, because Leeds were in some tough times then in terms of financially and things like that. Um, but yeah, I do I do really have to sympathise with you both. And I've, I think I've a lot that I can understand the pain that, that fans are going through at the minute. I can understand the frustrations that everyone is going through. Um, like, like we've said before, Newcastle's not the same place when they're consistently losing. Um, when they're winning, especially when fans are allowed in grounds, it's a special place. And I think you'll both agree with that, especially in bars and things like that. Oh, absolutely. Have you ever just walked through town at the exact moment, even on the high street, when Newcastle score? The eruption yeah, around the mad. city, you can hear it for miles. Really? Yeah. I, c- I can remember, I can remember uh, one of my first years in Newcastle. You was in, the, you was in the championship with Leeds. It was the season that, was it you and Brighton that went up that season? And it was the, the really mad season under Rafa. I think it was yeah, Norwich. Yeah, final day win, where Nor- we won the league on the final day. It was Norwich. Uh, was it? Us right. Norwich came up automatically. I can remember that year specifically for myself, being, being one of my first years in Newcastle, being this, a special year due to Newcastle winning the league and going up. Um, and that wasn't even in the Premier League. I dread to think what they would do if they were successful in the Premier League. We're talking, you know, you're, you're not even... There's, there's a... A bit of a mystic at the minute that Newcastle fans expect masses that you expect Champions we League don't football and nothing. All, all, all and we I, want I, is to be able to compete. And at absolutely. this moment in time, we can't do that. Yeah, yeah. I agree. And I think a team, on, a, a, a team that tries quite simply is backed, you know, to a decent level and tries and turns up every week. That's that's yeah. all we want. It's nothing yeah. like you know we want to win the league next season or anything like that. Not at all. It'd be nice to, do not get me wrong, progression like that would be brilliant. But like likes of Leicester, it, it was a one-off for years. Mm-hmm. And then they've yeah. now bounced back later on. It's 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 one of them things that I think at the minute it's, it's spoke about a lot that Newcastle fans expect too much. I, I don't know where it's actually come from because for years you've been sat around the same area, if not getting relegated. For the majority of the time, you've been sat between, say, 14th and 17th ish yep. if you've not been relegated. Um, so I don't understand why why that why that perception's come around that Newcastle expects too much. It must be painful as well to see that you you're such a massive club, and I think a lot of people who are listening will agree that Newcastle United is one of the biggest clubs in the Premier League. For them, the likes of um, well, I'm not, I'm not blowing my own trumpet here, but for the likes of Leeds United to come up, who have come up from the Championship, are a relatively big club, as well as the size of you guys, to be then flying in the league for the first season and you're sat in 17th. It must be so frustrating to understand that you could be where we are, if not higher. Um, what, do you, what do you both think of that? Like, give, us, give us your perspective on that. So from my side, it is it is massively straight, and you know you look at like some Wolves, Villa, who were literally saved last season by a dodgy VAR decision. Yeah, and now they're flying in the league. Um, you look at West Ham this season, nuts. Flying. It's a case of we 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 don't see ourselves above any of those teams. We see ourselves around those teams in terms of like squad and competing wise. It shouldn't it shouldn't be that way though. Newcastle no, should be up there with with the big names, but like your Chelsea's, your Arsenal. At the same time, Arsenal are performing well we this literally, year. We aren't we aren't even competing with those lot at the moment. Yeah. We're, we're below yeah. them, and that's the that's the big crux for most fans. Is we see clubs very similar to us in size, squad depth, and all this doing far better mm-hmm. than we we're yeah. com- comprehensibly able to do. Yeah, Dev, what do you think? So about like, that? On on your point about like other fans saying we're wanting too much and stuff like that, I don't think they realise the situation that Newcastle's actually in. Like we watch mm-hmm. week in week out. They like other fans aren't going to watch Newcastle twenty four seven. We see what goes yeah. on. We read what goes on, and I don't think they quite under like other fans from other clubs don't quite understand what is actually going on at Newcastle. I think us us yeah. us, us Newcastle fans understand and we know we're, we're not stupid. We we see what goes on, and mm. there is just a massive, massive, massive issue with the club at this moment in time. And if it doesn't change, half year for the worst, yeah. which is another relegation, yeah, which is not which is not what we need or want. 
No. Let's not keep it all doom and gloom. We'll, we will we will come on later on to how the club is at the minute and uh, how it's been over the last few years. But we'll we'll start with a bit of a bright and um, Dev. What's your best memories of being a Newcastle fan, specifically at, at St James's Park, if possible? Oh, this is a good one. Newcastle versus Man United, four three win for Newcastle. When was Ooh, that? Dear me. Um, when Juan Sebastian Veron was playing for Man United, so this was this was a long right, okay, a long time ago. Yeah, he scored the third goal for them. It was a volley from like thirty yards out, crazy. Mm-hmm. Stadium went silent. Then Newcastle scored. I can't remember right. who scored the winner for Newcastle, but the eruption from that, oh, it was just it was it just is, beautiful. If you've if you've never been to Newcastle, if you are listening, you've never been to Newcastle. St James's Park is it's almost like a monument in the city. You can see it from wherever you are. It's it completely dominates the skyline in Newcastle. It's absolutely bonkers. No matter where you are in the city, if there's a game going on, you can hear the fans. No matter where you are. You could be down the quayside, you could be on the big market, you could be up in Jesmond as a student. You can hear the fans from everywhere, you can see it from everywhere. Um, so I can imagine how uh, how how mad that was that day. Ollie, what's what's your uh, your best memories? Um, so for me, it has to be, and I know we've kind of touched upon it already. Um, the player Papi Cisse's winner uh, in stoppage time in the Europa League quarterfinals uh, against Manzi, one 0 win mm-hmm. on aggregate, sending us through to the next round. Ultimately, we did get knocked out against Benfica the the next round, but that stadium yeah. went absolutely mental. Um, in the crowd, I think the song "Rocking All Over the World" came on. Um, and yeah. it played for about twenty minutes continuously, full stadium for twenty minutes. I've never. Is that when? The, is that when all the fans stayed for ages after the game? They had to start yeah. kicking people out. Literally, <laughs> yeah, it, I can remember it, that. When that, it, that that was in what, 2011. Went absolutely nuts. I've never seen an atmosphere like it probably since. The other one for me personally was against Man U a few seasons back when uh, Matty Longstaff scored the winner. Oh, Matty Longstaff, um, an absolute. Yeah, home debut against against Man U. It was made even sweeter because a few of our lads are Man U fans. They snuck in at the home end with me. And what's yeah. in their faces celebrating was brilliant. Um, painfully <laughs> celebrating, should I say. Uh, Sam, Sam paid for a ticket in the away end. Oh, no, he paid for a Newcastle home <laughs> ticket. But it was a perfect tip, ticket. Yeah. It was like 80 it was like eighty pound for a ticket, and he, he would for for weeks. He spoke about going to the game. Fantastic. He was so excited to see Man United pay. He sent, he sent me photos at half time of him bang on halfway line. The game were going perfect, and then Matty Longstaff went yeah, to really I, had, I had Ben and Cav next, next to me in the stadium, and watching them cry while trying to applaud was just <laughs> something else. Yeah, I think it's one of them things. If you can get to it at a Newcastle game, you need to do it. It's, um, it was one of the first things that I did when I when I came up to Newcastle for university, and I, I, I still to this day think it's one of the best grounds we've ever been to. It's just it's it's. There's, the thing is, as well, I've been used to going to like awful grounds like Barnsley and the Den at Millwall and things like that, where there's just obstruction after obstruction after obstruction with scaffolding poles and everything. There's not a single one in St James's Park. Everybody can see the pitch, no matter where you're from. So I, that was a that was a treat for me. Um, let's move on. We'll go on to you know your, as well as your best memories, your best manager that's ever been. Uh, at Newcastle, Ollie will go with you first. I think I think I have an idea who you might say. Yeah, so I'd probably I'd probably have to go with probably the best the best of the most recent time to be honest. Benitez, um, just mm. unbelievable in terms of not not necessarily the football played. I mean, even the fans will agree it was quite boring defensive football, but there was a plan <laughs> in place. But the, crucially for us, it was he got the city. He understood the background of the culture, the fans, everything. For once, since probably the Robson era, we were actually united as a base. Um, not, yeah. not necessarily the owner to, to the extent of the owner, but all the way up from the players, the team, the fans. It was just there was just this culture that we're going for something. We didn't know what it was. We didn't think you know it's going to be Europa League, Champions League, or anything like that. We just knew from the first time for years we were seeing progression. We were seeing a mm. plan in place. Something was being. Do you done. think? Do you think uh, his time at Liverpool helps that helps out a bit? I can remember briefly Benitez being at Liverpool. And uniting the city, like you've just said, yeah, then. exactly. Um, I think, I think it's a case. I think his time, yeah, definitely. I, I agree. I think the time at Liverpool helped Benitez out a lot when he came to Newcastle. Um, I can remember when New- when Benitez got appointed, 
and saying to, I can't even remember if it were you, Ollie, or someone else, who was a Newcastle fan, saying, that's an awful signing. Why on earth have you signed Benitez? Um, and then a couple of months, couple of months down the line, you were you were absolutely flying. I think at, at that time it was, it was good football. Um, that was his first season when you was in the championship, wasn't it? It got did he get brought in just, just before, before you got relegated? Yeah, is that right? Just before yeah. it was it was again a case of potentially what we're seeing this season could be too little, too late. Last, um, yeah, last minute job. But kind of thing. at the same time, it was the belief that we might be one nil down, it might be nil nil or one one or whatever the score, but. We could go and nick mm-hmm. a point, or could go and nick the win late on. Yeah, yeah. Like it was just, it was just that whole whole belief around it, which just it was fa- it was fabulous to see. To be honest, um, I know Dev will probably go for a, a earlier manager um, for him. <laughs> Dev, who, who is your, uh, it has your to best be manager? Bobby, doesn't it? There's there's no yeah. other question about it. But what I do agree with is what Ollie said about Rafa. Apart from Bobby Robson, he is the one manager that I've seen at the club in recent years who has give the fans hope every single game yeah I think that's a key that's a key word there for me he, he give the fans hope there was always something mm-hmm. whether we were one nil down we could always think could get a could get an equalizer here um mm-hmm. just something about him there was some something about Rafa Benitez which just give the fans something something to it just it yeah. just felt good, didn't it, at the time? I think I think obviously I'm not a Newcastle fan at all, but even being in the city, it just felt right. I, I would like um, to know what I think... Rafa would have done with the squad we have now. The problem, the Absolutely, problem. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I was just I was just about to say that Rafa had was he didn't have the players. Like if you look at the players, they can't like Callum Wilson, Saint Maximin, Almiron. Did he have Almiron? Did he bring him in? Yeah. Or was that? He had Almiron he, at the think end. He, I, yeah, I think like he had Almiron at the end. Yeah. Like. I, I would yeah. love to have seen what Rafa Benitez would have done with the players we've got now. Because if 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 he was yeah. still in charge, I think would be a, a top half team, top half team. Plus, yeah, yeah. Would be like, I was just I was just about to say that the difference between Sir Bobby um, and Rafa Benitez is Sir Bobby's team that he had was good. was class. Gaza, um, you you had you had loads of different players. Zero. You, you know, like even yeah, even to the extent of Amiobi. He made Amiobi yeah, look like a world beater. Uh-huh, definitely. Right. Um, and then you look at Benitez and what he did. I mean, it, a lot of Newcastle fans will will put up that debate of is it Sir Bobby or is it Benitez? I think you two both hit the nail on the head there. Um, we don't, you could argue Benitez argue was better both, because of the team. Because yeah, because of the team that he had. Benitez's team was it was a championship team. That's the reason why you excel in the so championship. There's only so much a manager can do with a certain bunch of players that he's got. Yeah. It's like yeah, I agree. We haven't got any. We didn't have any world beaters back then. We have a possible mm-hmm. world beater now. So yeah, <laughs> he's he's fantastic, and it. We're, we're, like we say, we're, we're we're hinting on it. We'll go and we'll go on to a, we'll go on to your favorite players and then your best players in terms of talent. Deva, I know exactly who you're going to say is your favorite player, but who's the best player you've best seen player play for Newcastle? Newcastle, Big Al, isn't it? It's got to be, yeah, hundred percent. There's, there's, there's no other, there's no other way around that. There is, there is a close second on his day, which is Hatton Ben Arthur. But he was beautiful to watch. Great He was just lazy, wasn't he? (laughs) No, he was. He was. He turned up. He turned up, or he didn't at all. There was, there there was no in between. If he turned up, God help the other team's defenders. He just silky smooth, knew where the goal was, excellent on the ball. Didn't live up to his full potential yeah. for that for that simple reason. Yeah, no, I I agree. I think Ben Arthur, Ben Arthur when he my one of my first memories of Newcastle. Obviously, I was I wasn't aware of the Bobby Robson era and things like that. My, one of my first memories of Ben Arthur, uh, of Newcastle is that goal that Ben Arthur scored when he run past about forty five different was this, was players this the, was zigging this the zagging about the Blackburn Cup game because there was Blackburn. Was <laughs> oh, it was black. It might be. Uh, God knows. It was one though where he was that just ball, zigzagging in and out of all the players and put it in. Nuts. Yeah, that was that was one of the first times, and I remember thinking, "Bloody hell!" I, I didn't even think Newcastle were that good, and then they, they were banging in goals like that. Um, Ollie, who, who's your? Obviously, we'll go on to favorite players after I, this. But who's the best player you've seen in the Newcastle shirt? 
to be honest, it could be many for many different reasons, to be honest. Um, weirdly, I'm going to go for sort of, sort of left field here um, in Given. I absolutely rate Shea Given. Shea Given's great. Long term during the sticks, he was a solid number one. There was never any debate yeah. around him as being the keeper. And one thing which yeah. I know me and Dev have said before to each other and said to probably wider people, Newcastle have always had an issue where our best players always seem to be in the keeper <laughs> position. You look at the same situation yeah, now. Yeah. We've got two or three great keepers. I mean, we've got Freddie, um, oh, I've, got, I've got his surname there, on, Woodman on loan at uh, Swansea at the moment, flying. We've got yeah. Dubravka, Darlow. Yeah. We've had the same with Fraser Foster. Should be getting the Shea Given, Tim Crow. Like, so many keepers we've had come through where in any, any other position, we'd be laughing ourselves, you know, thinking we've got that position nailed with two or three yeah. players. But it's just the one position where you can only have one on the pitch. It's to the point where Dubravka can't even get in the team because Darlow's playing so well. And did the, were it last season that Dubravka made most yeah. the most saves yeah. in the league? He, he's like by that. far, I, I personally think he's by far the best keeper in the league. No, no other goalkeeper has to face. He is. Shot. I agree. Is. I agree. I don't. Obviously, I don't think he's the best best Shea keeper in the league. But I think he's certainly up there for yeah, mad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a completely different argument, though, of, of who faces the most shots and everything. I think it's a pointless start myself, but, you know. Um, Dev, who's your favourite player? Favourite player. Current. Favourite player. Not best. Favourite. Well, whenever. It's got to be some I know exactly who has to be. <laughs> he, he gets it's, it's berserk, isn't it? We, like, we haven't seen a yeah, player like this yeah. since it, Ben Arthur, but Maxi does more. Yeah. Like yeah, he does. Every, everything yeah, from how he is on the pitch to what he does on Twitter to how he responds to fans to the, just the way he is, it's just like we haven't seen a player like this in a very, very long time. He's fully invested in the club. I'd be mm-hmm. very, very interested to see though what happens if we did get relegated this season, if he'd stay or not. What in yeah, terms I of what happens with him? Yeah, if he was to leave, there would be no bad blood whatsoever. I think the fans would understand completely. <laughs> no, I don't either. I, I completely agree with that. And you have to you have to ask yourself: Is he is he worth seventy million, eighty million? I think he's worth fifty. Think? Because of right, see, yeah. He, this is the thing: if he moved to a better club, God knows how good he would be. I think he, he doesn't have the players around him at the minute he, to get to his full potential. Yeah, at that at that stage, especially if you get relegated, you yourself and obviously knowing how Mike Ashley is if he's still an owner at the end of the year obviously we don't know um, you have to say we have to accept that especially if you're a relegated team and let him go on to a different to a different club where like you say God knows what it could be like in a United team if you did want to go you'd have to try and push for a loan deal to see if Newcastle come back into the Prem so yeah. he'll be on loan for a season if, they, if okay. that's what he would want to do hey you might want to stay and absolutely run riot in the championship. So he'd be, he'd be special in championship. No one, no, yeah, no one be special in championship. And no one will be able to touch him in the championship on a bad day. Mm. Never mind a good day. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Weirdly, yeah. for Maxi, the one thing which I don't, I don't worry about him, and I think fans will probably sort of most fans agree. It's just that end product in the final three. I think third. he's added that. But, I think he's added yeah, that yeah. I think he has. The issue that we've got is we don't get many chances. <laughs> so when they get them, yeah. they're feeling the pressure massively to deliver. I think, as you say, mm. him in the championship, his confidence would go sky yeah. high. You'd see him tear it up because he'd get chance after chance after chance. He'd get used to basically having no pressure on him to deliver on yeah. those chances. And he'd be able yeah, to... Yeah, that, that is one thing that a lot of pundits and things have brought up, saying that his end product's not the best. But like you've just said there, it's very, very rare that you get yeah. a clear-cut ch- chance... If if Newcastle are scoring, it's often. If you played for Man City, him. you would have 10, um, 15, 20 chances a game. How many of them is he going to bury? Absolutely. Five absolutely. The case? There's, there's only so many balls that can be thrown through by John Joe Shelby that's going left, right, and centre. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think currently, I think St. Maxi 100%. Um, you have to. I've said this before, and I've got a bit of a love affair with, uh, with Andy Carroll. Uh, Andy Carroll's been my favourite player for a long, long time, or one of my favourite players in a Newcastle shirt, but not particularly now of recent form, but past before he went to Liverpool. He was fa- he was fantastic, wasn't he? Yeah, but I'd, I'd say for me, in, ter- in terms of best player at the club, it has to be Gutierrez. What a Just guy. Literally. Yeah, well, I, I'm, 
Yeah, what a guy. What a great guy. That's that's a story. Yeah. That's a, a story in itself. I mean, that when he came back and scored. Came back, came wow. back with after his cancer treatment. Came on the pitch. Everyone was, you know, applauding him. You know, well done for coming back, kind of thing. No one expected him to yeah. go and do what he did against West Ham on on that day. Um, yeah, he was on fire that day. The fans just erupted. Yeah, yeah. It was, that was a that was a special goal. Yeah. I mean, who's who's your favourite player? Not from the current generation. Not from the though. current generation. Yeah, Ooh. not not the best. I mean, obviously, there's technically gifted. Santiago but... Munez is off the table. Yes, damn it, damn it. <laughs> yes. Santiago Munez. That, that, that would have been table. a no-brainer right there. <laughs> um, see, that's a tough question because there's, there's it's got to be Big Al, hasn't it? It, it? it has to be Big Al. Yeah, I, I think everyone goes back to Big Al. Don't be, don't be boring. Pick someone else than Big See, Al. See, I'd have thought, I'd have thought you'd gone for someone who won, maybe like uh, Solano, yeah, Lauren Robert. He had a wand. Great shout! An absolute yeah. wand. I'm enjoying that. I'm enjoying. Ollie, give you, give yourself on that one. I mean, I can't dis, I can't disagree with Dev on that one. Um, on his day, absolutely unplayable, unstoppable down the wing. Just unbelievable. I mean, he's. It's just. It's, it was mesmerising. I mean, for me, it was. It was at the very start of my sort of Newcastle United memories. So yeah, for me, it's more about watching the YouTube videos of him and things like that. And even to this day, you're looking at it going, "How's he doing that?" Like, if he was in the Prem today, pundits would be going nuts about him. You know, they'd they'd yeah, be definitely. absolutely raving all over. It's just one of those where he's a generational talent. I always felt. I always felt that he was a bit before his time, as in like he could play in the Premier League now and be. Perfect. It's just he's just um, he's just your bog standard left uh, mid. Perfect, perfect left mid. Yeah, yeah just perfect, perfect just perfect for it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think um, a good thing I chat about as well is the the homegrown talent that Newcastle have produced. Well, in my lifetime, and in, certainly in your guys' lifetime, you know your your Gazers and things like that. Your Sean and Matty Longstaffs. There's there's players coming up from the club now that you'll know specifically, Dev. Um, Talk, talk to me about that, about about the because you're not you're not massively known for your youth system, as in the the academy is not particularly spoke about within football. It, you know, up there with your Manchester United and things like that. But the youth the youth products that's come out of Newcastle, specifically in the last few years, is going to set your club up for the next. 10, 20 years, especially with Sean and Matty Longstaff. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they're going through a bit of a rough patch at the minute. But they've got massive and massive of potential. Well, the club made do you think two about huge that? mistakes as of recent time, and those two are mm-hmm. Ivan Tony and Adam Armstrong. Letting them go, I think. Yeah, without a doubt, they are the two stupidest decisions the club's ever made. Um, Ivan Tony currently mm-hmm. top goal scorer in the championship this season. With yeah, he's at Brentford now. He's with at like Brentford now. Isn't goals. He? Armas third, yeah. currently injured, with like sixteen goals, like. They've collectively wait. Mm-hmm. Armour scored more goals than Newcastle have this season. And yeah, I think yeah. it was a, yeah. like they let them go cheap as well, which I think was very silly. Like Newcastle youth players don't really get a chance unless there's injuries. That's how Matty. That's how Matty. Yeah, yeah I agree. Into the fold, and then Matty had a blinder, which kept him in. Yeah, even dumber. You could argue the same 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 scenario. He's never really been. Like I'll, I'll give you an example of a lad who I used to play with called Adam Campbell. Don't know if you remember him, Ollie. Mm-hmm. Small, small name, yeah. ginger lad, Adam Campbell, striker for Newcastle. Played a few games for the first team, right? Came on in, in Europa League games and stuff like that. Same age as me. So this was this was this was back in the day when he was like 18, 17, 18, 19. He came on for the odd mm-hmm. few games, but never got given a chance to play a full a full chance, yeah. yeah. The same happened with Adam Armstrong and the same happened with Ivan Tony. They just did not get given the chance mm-hmm. to even show if, they, if they're good enough to play. What was going on at the club at the time when they let Tony and um, Armstrong go? Were you, were you this is, in a similar this position to what you're in now? So this, this is as Rafa was going out the door. Right. That's when they. That's that's when they. Right. Okay. So they've only been. I. I thought. I thought they'd gone yeah, a couple of years ago. Very, that's quite recent. Um, 
sure. Right, okay. They both got sold, and I'm I'm pretty sure it was the same window that Rafa left. So I don't know if that was a, a right. yeah, they're on loan before that. that was a Rafa yeah. decision to sell them, or if it was a Mike Ashley decision to sell them. I'm going to say it was a Mike Ashley decision to sell them because of previous young talent not yeah. getting put through the same thing. I don't think it was a manager thing. Yeah, you're seeing you're seeing that now with. Um... Sean Sean Longstaff yeah. especially you're well, seeing that now that the the squad's the squad's fully fit uh, Steve Bruce's yeah. squad's fully fit and he's sat on the bench and he's arguably one of the well, best look, players on the on the, on the you day. look at him and I still remember to this day because he's the same age as me um, and I used to play against him when I used to play for Cromlin Juniors and he used to play for North Shields and he was running the park yeah. he was an outstanding talent compared to anyone else and you saw him come uh-huh. in under Rafa get bled in all of this smashing it same same with Matty coming through the system. There's a few top clubs around, like local clubs, Cramlet in, Whitley Bay, North Shields, Walls End, Boys Club, of course. They all get bled yeah. into these systems, but then they all seem to pitter out. Like, we've got the same scenario at the minute with oh, Sorensen and Anderson. Elias Sorensen. Literally, 2018-2019 like, season, scored 26 goals for the under-23s. Vanished. Vanished on... Vanished on, he's on, he's on yeah. loan. So Where's he, go, where he gone, though? What's happened? Team. He, he just vanished. Right. Just put him in. You he, need they goals. They literally just get him he off the boots. scoring goals. Would you need a goal scorer? Like you look, it makes you, you, quite, it makes you wonder what's gone yeah. on. Yeah, it makes you wonder like what's gone Greenwood, on. Greenwood, perfect example at Man U, academy player coming through. They give him the chance, and look, look at look what he delivered. Well. Rashford's a perfect Where is example. Where he? Yeah, from from when he was in um, Liverpool. Crazy. That, yeah, Liverpool. For, yeah, yeah, for me, the key difference though is those teams had proven goal scorers already in banging in goals. So for them, it was a bigger risk than yeah. what Newcastle have on those players. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For it, but the other thing which it makes you it, may, it does it does make you wonder what's going on behind closed doors that fans don't know about. There's clearly either an attitude issue with the player or um, someone higher up, be it Ashley or some some technical director or something like that, that's making the calls above the manager. And I think you've seen that a lot with Rafa. That's why Rafa left. But obviously, yeah. you two will know a lot more about Rafa leaving than what I will know. Um, but from an outsider's point of view, it seemed like uh, either Ashley or someone else was making the decisions for him in terms of transfers. Oh, it was Rafa. Rafa never been Rafa, a manager Rafa, for a long Rafa. time. He, yeah. So Rafa wanted yeah. to sign Rondon yeah, uh, on what, a permanent. Mike Ashley went no, too old. Mm-hmm. What was what was the fee? Sixteen yeah. million were quoted as well. Precisely. You, he had a good that, season. Exactly. Yeah, that two or three seasons out of him. And Mike Ashley went no, mm-hmm. so yeah. I think Rafa just went bye. I, and I and then remember, what did he propose as the count as the counter signing? Forty oh, million pounds on Joe Linton. Joe Linton. Oh yeah. my! We'll we'll, we'll, we'll get into Joe Linton. But yeah, last last week, entire yeah. three hours <laughs> talk about that one. The thing I could go I on. I say the last thing on the academy side, like we've been underfunded, underdeveloped there, like. Devil know this. The training ground has not been upgraded in years. Everything is a very, very old state of the art, like 2000, early 2000s vibe there. But it's, the issue yeah. is, and we're seeing it now, is obviously the likes of Carrick and a few others went to other clubs from the academy system. And we're seeing that with, uh, is it Diallo from, who's just come on from Man U? Looks like an absolute worlder. Yeah. Um, he came on along with a sure. Walls End Boys Club academy. Yeah, exactly. Came on together and both of them didn't look out of place. Now, one's come through Academy a bit more at Man U. Sherlock came through, obviously, through Walls End. Oh, that's, and it's that's, nuts. The, that's the kid that came on the other day, isn't it? For against United, us the, as the well. Guy, the guy with the Afro. Yeah. He came on against yeah. against Newcastle, having played at one of the local boys club teams that are renowned yeah, yeah, for producing yeah. talent into the, the Academy. Yeah. It it I'll just it blows of, me away I'll, I'll, I'll that, give you an that example we allowed stuff to happen. The academy, so. I was at the club. I played for the club when I was younger, in the under-9s, right? So, this is, like, this is 16 mm-hmm. years ago now. Hasn't changed. Yeah. Building, the same. Right. Indoor bit, the same. The only... It's probably yeah. a good to point out that you worked, worked the only The only the thing that's changed at the well. training ground is the relay, the 4G pitch inside. That's it. Nothing has been touched. Change rooms, exactly the same. Rooms, everything. It's, it's literally the same as it mm-hmm. was in 2005. How right. and why is no improvements being made? It makes no sense to me. It it seems to me like, um, and a lot of pundits have said it recently that Newcastle are sleepwalking themselves at relegation, and I think that's 
it's been set up for years that that's gonna keep happening. Like you say, with the how the how the training ground is, how the youth system's not developing properly, oh, how system, the fans hate the, Mike Ashley. The, the gap between the under twenty threes and the first team is so big. There's just no room for any players to move up in a consistent manner. There might be the yeah. under twenty three that sits on the bench yeah. because they need a player to sit on the bench, but there hasn't. There's been no player that's consistently just went from the twenty threes and then straight into the first. It just hasn't happened unless there's been an yeah. injury. The big thing yeah. for me, the big thing for me, and I saw it. I think I think I think it was yesterday. Our under twenty threes actually played played Leeds under twenty threes. We lost 2-1, yeah. but we had the likes of Henry Savé and Christian Atsu in that Henry team Savé in the starting 11. Henry Savé, he shouldn't be anywhere near that under-23 team. We're how, old, how old is he now? Atsu, Atsu must be getting on. I can understand that Atsu a bit if it's for match fitness and coming back, because he is in the first-team fold. Why is Henry Savé taking yeah. up a place on that pitch for oh, one of the under-23 lads? Go out there and you know get, get game time, get experience, all of this. To try and get up, that is Tell fundamentally what, there's, there's what's a, wrong. There's a player in the, the twenty-three to watch out for, though. If the club actually push players up to the first team, Florent Indalecio. So there's a there's a great story. There's a great yeah, story yeah, about yeah. you can he's remember you telling well. me about so, him. He's good friends with Maxi. He was playing in mm-hmm. Holland. He got released from a team in Holland, moved to Australia, became like a bricklayer or something, doing labour work. And then he's come back in a pro. It's, it's, what a story, man! Absolute, uh, absolutely. That's amazing. a story, isn't it? No, He was playing for Sinetien. He got released from Sinetien, and then moved to Australia to do to just do like manual labour work, and then managed to get a trial yeah. at Newcastle. I'm presuming because he's good mates with Maxi. Um, but he's impressed. They give him a contract, <laughs> and I've seen some clips in. He looks, he looks nice. He looks really, really nice. It's like you say, though. It's if, it's, if, if does, he comes through he the, the academy. Like, the what? Yeah. yeah. Like, what, what, if, we, none if, of us know what's going to happen. Man United fans, we could probably go, he's probably going to get a chance at some point. As a Newcastle fan, Satya, it's like, yeah. he's probably yeah, not yeah, going to yeah. get a chance, is he? But, like, oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. it's balmy because they they class a chance at Newcastle United as Precisely. the last five minutes of a game when even yeah. the pro players who come on don't do anything in that part. Like, Man U, we, mm-hmm. we, we saw a few of the academy players we were talking about just before, they get 34 40 minutes run out to be able to go and influence the game, to stamp their authority, mm-hmm. to do something, to try something, and that's the difference. If you give someone five minutes, we, we see it with Carroll at the minute coming on for the last two minutes, what's he doing? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Yeah, you can't do anything all, yeah. in that time, and that's when they go, "Oh, they're not good enough for the first team." It's like you've not actually given them the opportunity yeah. to try it. Yeah, I agree. I think um, while we're, while we're still talking about the, the direction that the club's going, we'll talk about the the news from uh, the start of the season about the Saudi takeover or, or whatever conformant was about to take over the club and how close it was. Um, from my point of view. All I can remember is, well, I can remember a few things. I can remember the Saudi come, the Saudis coming in, and every single team in the Premier League shitting themselves because of the <laughs> amount of money that could have been given out to Newcastle. And I can also remember the well, you guys and other fans saying we're going to sign Mbappe and all this lot, whether it be a serious comment or not. What what did you two make of that at the time? Obviously. That's massive. That's massive for any fan. Never mind a Newcastle fan. If if someone were to tell me that some rich Saudi owners are about to take over Leeds United, I wouldn't sleep a wink. So I don't understand what what were going through your guys' minds at the time. Dev, give us a bit of a bit of I an don't insight. Think we slept away, like, for like, like well, I like, fear. Like, yeah, this, no, this, this, true. This this this, uh, this is how I think it played out. Right. Sure. The Saudis were interested in Newcastle United. The Premier League looked at it and mm-hmm. went, it's not one of the big six. That's what I think happened. Yeah. If it had been okay. Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal, Tottenham, Man United, Man City, I don't think there would have been a single issue there. I think it's the fact that they've chose Newcastle United 
I, th- I honestly think the pre- the Premier League's got an issue with Newcastle United at some point in, in somewhere. I think that's the reason why the deal didn't go through. I don't just think it's to be honest. I don't. I don't just think it's Newcastle. I think it's predominantly the league yeah. focused around the London clubs yeah. and the Manchester clubs. Like those those yeah. two regions, you take anyone else out, obviously Liverpool, including the Manchester ones. There, you take out even like the Midlands ones. What the guys was that? There, what was that nothing, vote that no the looking. Premier League put forward to do with the top six clubs to choose everything or something? There was something not. Yeah, yeah. literally, that was to do with the the thingy league, wasn't it? Yeah. The, when they were spanning out like a bigger league. And you said that they had What's to be a top about? six club. It needs to be a collective decision from every club in the country. What? It's as simple as that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, precisely. And what? What is it a top six every year. club? Uh, you look. You look at the minute. You look at yeah, the minute. Precisely. West Ham are fifth. Leicester, West Ham. Yeah. Everton, a top six. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's very, very. What? What is a? What is a top six club? And I think what, me, me and you guys will, will agree on that being that. Well, I think my club's bigger than Leicester, and I certainly think it's bigger than Everton and West Ham. And I'm sure yeah. you guys will agree that your club's bigger than them clubs. But we're, we're, we're sat, well, you're sat 17, in fact, where I'm sat 12th. Well, what's that got to do with anything? Why, why should that mean that we can't get exactly. taken over like, like Man City did at the time? Man City went Man City went from, well, near enough where you guys are at the league. I think they were 16th they were even in the, the, the year that they got yeah, to the Yeah, they were in the championship a few seasons before that. Like, they weren't anywhere near the level they were until they got bought out. Plain and simple. It sounds to, it sounds to me like the Saudis that wanted to take you guys over and the rich, the rich money was going to be a quick flip over. As in, it, um, at City, it was drip-fed in for, for years, absolutely years. I can remember them... Um, one of the first big money things they did was sign Rubinho, um, which he thought he was go- he thought he was going to Man United, <laughs> didn't he at the time? And then ended up at City, and he couldn't believe it. Um, dr- just drip feeding cash in the upgrade, the upgrade the stadium, the upgraded the um, training facilities, and then drip fed decent players in at time after time after time until they've got to what the product is now. I think with your guys' takeover, it was. Here's all the money now. This is what we're going to go, go and offer. Obviously, I don't know the ins yeah. and outs of it. I'm, and I, I don't think, work for the Premier League or anything I, like that, but that's what it looks like. I think when we, you stacked up all the other owners' wealth versus Newcastle as like 100%, we were like 90% of the Premier League's wealth Premier League if the has gone through. Yeah. That, I, I think, think worried yeah. everyone think else. Oh, shit. Jesus Christ, Newcastle's going to have money. And that, to, to every other club in the league, yeah. is an issue. Look at the fan base, look at the city, yeah. look at everything to do with Newcastle United, the past, everything. Give that club money. You think, Crazy. go on. You think as well, though, for people that, obviously the people that don't live in Newcastle, of which obviously we, us three live in Newcastle, but when the takeover was going through and it looks like it was about to happen, uh, the day, especially the days mm-hmm. to the point where they said, no, it's not going to happen, it was going through a Premier League system and stuff like that. Things just started shooting up around the city. Shops started opening, and like big, massive yep. buildings started going through. Planning permission to get built um, from people that live in Newcastle. Hadrian's Tower got a massive boost. So that's through one to say so we're going to try and finish this build before the takeover the goes through. Involved in the deal. So, yeah, they've got yeah, a ten. Yeah. They had a ten percent. So this, this, this was the thing the, I liked about it. Yeah, yeah. So this, everything, this everything just shot. The was they weren't just yeah. going to concentrate on the club. They were going to improve the city as well, which for the population of Newcastle mm-hmm. is a big deal. Not just the football club, but the city it's itself huge, is yeah, going to get I agree. Boost, which I think would have been incredible. Uh-huh, yeah. So taking away the football side of things, you had that side of things it... in the Premier League just told us to fuck mm-hmm. off, which I think is a load of shit. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. Can you can you can you see it happening? Can you see it happening again now? I mean, the, the only way I can see it happening is if Ashley goes into partnership with Someone some kind some of conform or something like that. Um, yeah, the issue yeah. is at the moment, obviously, we're still going COVID through the takeover help. drama at the minute, you know, with the EFL and director's tests. We're challenging at the moment. Mm-hmm. I think one of the three panellists, uh, Beloff, who is apparently, you know, known to be swayed very easily if, if the others disagree with him. He'll then listen to them and sway right. it. He's also had a few dodgy dealings in the past as well. So Newcastle are trying right. to say that the ruling that they've passed based on him being on the panel 
is like null and void. It should be rejected. They want an independent panel on this because they also got ties, surprise, surprise, back to the Premier League themselves. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's an odd one as well because for the first time ever since I've known Newcastle, especially being friends with you guys, Mike Ashley actually seemed like he wanted something to happen for the club and wanted that. Obviously, I know it's his, he's going to be gaining money from it. Um, but for the first time ever, it seemed like all the fans in. wanted the exact same first thing. First time. Yeah. Yeah. He wants out, I think, personally. I think that he's, his portfolio elsewhere in terms of his businesses is changing due to COVID and all that. He wants to focus on that. Mm-hmm. The club for him is not making money. It's not losing money. He's using it effectively yeah. for free advertising and all of that. But yeah. he's always been, and Dev, Devil Resonate here, he's always tried to overcharge for the club when he sold it. He's always asked too yeah. much money. like, And it's not a case of a few million. He's asking off. 100 million plus from what's worth. Um, yeah, exactly. However, this time he lowered it slightly and the interest was there. The deposits paid, companies' houses, documents drawn up. That's the first time we've ever seen that from the club or seen that happen. It was clear. It was cl- I don't think, I think a lot of people don't realize mega, how close it was close. to going through. It was literally um, it was literally the Premier League deciding. A, a matter of, well, I don't think days, if not hours, up. really, when you think about it. I think nah. there's a lot No, I don't either. I don't either. And I think, and like I think you said, if, if something's going to happen, I think yeah. she's going to be at, the, at, the, at the, the top end point of it. Like The, the strange thing is, if you guys were to get relegated this year, it puts you in a strangely better circumstance of Ashley saying, I'm going to sell up for cheaper. It so it's gonna, a lot it looks like it's going to happen relegated. more. Do you know what I mean? Cause the, cause... Yeah, that's the biggest issue. Yeah, I true. wonder if we, if we do get relegated, I think he'd probably hang on to the club for a couple of years at least to try and see if we can bounce back. Because one or two seasons yeah, in, the, in the championship is not going to affect the value that he would be trying to sell out from the championship. If one of the seasons we go mm-hmm. back up, he's going to get you know easily a hundred plus million more because we're we back go, in the prem. If we go down, for Steve Bruce is a manager. So, we will not come yeah. back. Not a chance. No, I agree. We'll we'll move on to that. I think that's a good uh, good point to move on from. That. Well, what's your, <laughs> what's your thoughts on Steve Bruce? Obviously, I'm aware that you both. Have, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm aware that you both are going to be singing his praises, and especially where. <laughs> Especially where you are in the league, and we've we've spoke about Rafa and we've spoke about Sir Bobby. Uh, what's happening at the club? I think I think getting rid of Rafa at the time was a shock, and bringing Bruce in was an even bigger shock. You could have brought in any manager, and I think a lot of fans would have been happy. There was a load of people available at the time, um, and even people in even people in other Premier League clubs that you could have gone from, like your Eddie Howes or something like that, that would have easily been squared from Bournemouth. Um, there was a lot of talk at the time about Ranieri, who was out of a job, and then a lot of foreign managers as well. And it's similar to the exactly similar to the time that Benitez got brought in the day that it got announced the day that it got announced with Steve Bruce I said what on earth is going on there why Steve Bruce yes, when there's man. so many better managers available and it, obviously it's 100% yes the I worst agree. thing about it was it, he was like apparently he was seventh on the list of managers six other managers okay. turned us down did did they turn you down or did they did actually decide that like Dev's just said, that he knew, he knew Steve Bruce. Would I think it, yes, it could man. be a bit of both, to be honest with you. I think a lot, a lot of the managers that you were throwing around there were definitely in that top six. Some of them mm-hmm. we know from seeing them at other clubs. They're passionate. They're strong, strong opinionated. They will not be a yeah. yes man if they if Ashley mm-hmm. challenges them and says you can't do this, can't do that, they will that's kick off and start. That, that, that was where the origins um, with Rafa the That's the reason he left. Rafa wanted to go in a yeah, certain direction, exactly. and Mike actually went no, like. How you meant to? How you meant to weigh that one up, John? You know exactly. I mean? From well, let's but let's let's start with that then. So the uh, one of you guys give me the story, obviously for the for the listeners of what happened um, a number of days before Rafa got sacked. The days after Rafa got sacked, up until Bruce came in. And then, obviously, what you think about him yeah. now, Dev, you're probably sure. the best one to speak about it, having worked with Rafa wanted club. to take the club in a specific direction. He wanted to buy specific players to fit his mm-hmm. his mould, his squad. And Mike Ashley didn't want that. 
Mike Ashley wanted mm-hmm. younger players, unproven players. Rafa wanted experienced players, who, which he knew would get the job done. I think that's where I think that's where the friction between them obviously yeah. began. And then I presume, obviously, we don't know the ins and outs that's between Rafa and Mike Ashley, but I'm going to presume they had disagreements on a lot of things. You you could tell like in the last the last days of Rafa that just mm-hmm. just from his demeanor that he, he just looked deflated and like sad, so to speak. Because I I, I yeah yeah no myself. I agree yeah. What a guy, like full of conversation, great yeah. guy to speak to, and happy. He's always happy. Those last days, weeks of of being the Newcastle manager, you could mm. just tell. You could just tell he just he, he he was fed up. He'd had enough, which I don't blame him at all. Like if you're the manager, mm-hmm. you want you want to sign players no. that's gonna like every manager's got their own style, their own formations, their own tactics, their own playbooks, everything. You want to buy players which are going to fit your mm-hmm. style of management. You've been managing for what? How, how long have you been managing for? What forty years, fifty years? You're not going to change that because someone wants you to buy, yeah. like your yeah. owner wants you to buy a certain player. Like, what experience has Mike Ashley got as a football coach? Probably none. Businessman, one of the best yeah. ever. But as a fucking mm-hmm. football coach, yeah, he, absolutely nothing. So I think that's, no, I think that, that was the that was the issue of why why Rafa went, um, which is fair play. Like he, he left and the fans respected it. They were like fair play, understandable. And when your fans are saying that, there's definitely yeah. an issue somewhere. Mm-hmm. What was it like then when when Bruce got brought in? What, what, what was your what was your first thoughts? Uh, obviously, baffled. minus in what you what you know Stupid has decision. happened. Baffled. What was your right? It's, okay. it's like, You've you've went from Rafa to Steve Bruce. That's all you need to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Ollie, what 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 was your thoughts at the time? Yeah, I mean, I can't I can't really say any different to be honest with you. Um, it just seemed that we were going places under Rafa moving forward, and then all of a sudden we went about twenty steps backwards. Yeah. Um, literally, it just it just felt like the heart got ripped out of the club the soul. And then it was just somebody came in, went, we're going to do this. And obviously, we, I know we've touched on it before, Joe Linton, immediately on the first day, Bruce signs, he gets signed. Now, that is a transfer, which you know has not happened because of Bruce. As in, you know, if it would take two or three weeks or something um, for Bruce to bring it him looks in. Like, it looks like he was, yeah, it looks like he was brought in to try to kind of say, like, oh, here's what the new manager is going to do. Here's a £40 million signing from wherever and that must have gone on for how much during the back end of that season Rafa's last season and you yeah. can tell that that's probably yeah. on the disagreements because had he known he was going to get backed with a four, £40 million look what he did with sort of you know making a £20 million profit for Newcastle in a window he still mm. got Dubravka and Rondon on loan for that as well mm. yeah. backing £40 million would have been unbelievable for Rafa he would have played it magic was, with it, that yeah it was like when he got brought in and I'm sure you two will both agree it was especially with the Joe Linton sale. Uh, so with the Joe Linton put purchase, Rafa wasn't backed by the cash from the club, and that was that was blatantly obvious that it wasn't going to get backed by cash oh, massively. And for them, for them then to sign Joe Linton on the same day that they signed Bruce, which I believe was a few weeks after Benitez got sacked. Anyway, there was quite a while, wasn't there? Because there was there was debate in which manager to bring in. Blah blah blah. To then give Bruce on the first day forty million pounds to sign Joe Linton, be it be it if he was a good player or not, obviously a different situation. If he was a world beater for Newcastle, yeah. guaranteed. Yeah. And what what really gets me is in the last fourteen months we've spent a hundred million pounds in plus in transfer fees. You yeah. imagine that money in Rafa's hands? I just cannot yeah. understand for the life of me how Ashley got it so wrong. Like not not just man- mm-hmm. minuscule backing the wrong manager. By a few million or ten million, so much yeah. wrong. Like for me, that just it just doesn't sit right. There's obviously a conversation where rappers looking what at it. And looking at that wrong. That Julian, yeah. like, who in their right mind sat there and thought to themselves, "He's worth forty million quid." 
Who in their right mind sat there and thought he is mm-hmm. a number yeah. nine striker? He is without a fucking shadow of a doubt not a striker. And I've been saying this since the day he signed, right? I'm absolutely convinced mm. he's an attacking midfielder or a winger. He's not an out-and-out striker. You've seen the difference between him and Callum Wilson. The movement, the awareness from Callum Wilson as a number nine striker. Mm. He is a number nine striker. Joel Linden likes to pick up the ball. He likes to drop very deep. Yeah. Pick up the ball, turn and move with it. Mm-hmm. I just, I can't, I can't fathom it. I can't get my head around who who looked at him. Whoever looked at him went 40 million. He's sacked, by the way. And if they haven't already been sacked, they need to go now. Useless. But then, on the other hand, the Samaki... They need to go, yeah. So... I think... Yeah, yeah. I think that's... That signing alone I've, has I've, saved I've, Bruce I've on many, many occasions now. now. Without St. Maximin in Newcastle's team last year, Newcastle will be playing the championship this season. And I'm going to say the same thing again this season. Without St. Maximin, yeah. because he's been injured quite a bit this season, we've dropped points in big games. Without St. Maximin this season, we will get relegated. It's as simple as that. Simple as that. Yeah. Well, you look in the form table at the moment, you know, last six matches, we're 15th in the form table, literally. And the Mm -hmm. worst thing about it for us is only Brighton are below us in the relegation fight. Now they're below us by one point. This this is a good thing. So no one's mentioned This is how bad it is. Brighton can get dragged into this. They're only a point above us. Fulham are are two points below, are they, Fulham are? Yeah, yeah, Two points below. Brighton are one point above. Yeah. But they're playing so well. Saying Newcastle will get one win. Those two to just go the next two or three games without a win. But like Brighton can there's the, it's a three horse mm-hmm. race for that for that third relegation yeah. spot. And I think we are going to be in the worst shape for it because we've got Wilson's yeah, out, Maximin's out. Yeah. Um Almiron's out, Christ. Every all, all, all the best well. players are completely out. What in um Steve Bruce's yeah. mind was he thinking in the last game by the way, playing Fraser through the middle. Yeah, and having Gail Jolinton yeah, wide. Like, I get Jolinton's jo, jo not a striker. Like, I'm, I'm a qualified coach, and I honestly think I could do a better job with that team than he is. In that saying something, I'm not even joking there. I'm being deadly fucking serious. Yeah, it seems, it seems. Yeah, no, I, and I think, I think you're right in what you're saying. Obviously, I'm, 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 a, I'm sure Steve Bruce at some point has been a decent manager, but the, for the time that he got brought in, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be shocked if the wages of Premier League managers came out and he was in the bottom two. No, is it, like you said before, is it yeah. is a yes yeah, man? Hundred percent, is a yes man. Um, you literally look at every club he's been at; he's taken them backwards. Absolutely, Villa yeah. Championship, prime example, Sheffield Wednesday. Like nowhere is he is he performing well, and he's the one of the worst managers in Newcastle history. Another thing, win ratio. What, what are we like shocking? What we've yeah, won sorry. two in the last seventeen in the league. Two in the last 19 overall. Like, what, what was my actually thinking? Bring in the Sunderland manager. I don't care if he's from Newcastle. Yeah. He's, he's, he's literally managed Sunderland. Like, he's a Sunderland manager. Yeah. I don't think, I think as well, that, that's that been over, just, like, I'm fed up a lot of and times. I think, I think, I think Ollie's the same. I think Ollie's yeah. the same, but yeah, we are, in the rest of the Newcastle families, yeah. we are fed up and we want change. Yeah. It's, it's the excuses every yeah. week. It's oh, we we try to play. They the the they're just a better team and all this. And it's like it's and I've been playing this with a few of my mates. <laughs> Bruce Bingo, you know what's he <laughs> gonna what's what's he gonna say in the post match conference? There's about the same nine sayings he always says. It's absolutely like unfathomable. Obviously, the press conferences now I'm, you can't speak at them. You can't ask questions. Sure journalism, you're there to hear a statement. That's it. Million. He, yeah. I will if I... he's worth 6.5, yeah. I'm worth 100. Simple Sheffield that. Wednesday, yeah, blinder. Crazy. Sheffield Wednesday, <laughs> the blinder there. I, I, said a few, I said a few weeks ago um, on a previous podcast, we were speaking about Bruce and what he was doing. It was the Man United game. Um, and like you said of how he is in the media and things like that, Ollie, he was walking off at full time, having been beat at Old Trafford with Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer, arm in arm, laughing yeah. and joking. Like, now I am I'm very very aware that the role pals one one their ex teammates I get that hundred percent two I understand that there's no fans there so that his reaction the would case. have been a lot different that if fans be were case. there however 
You're on TV. Yeah, you're on TV, you're on TV exactly. Yeah. If, if if you go immediately in the tunnel and then start doing that, like, so no one can see. Yeah. Kind of, it still hurts. Exactly no one, what no I one said. even do that. But the anger that I was sat watching the game, watching him do that, walking off after being outplayed, laughing, laughing and joking, played. walking off. I mean, to be honest, it was actually one of Hungry. our better games recently, which is very weird and saying. Yeah. We looked like we were, we were a team trying to play, trying to try. But Look still at Jose Mourinho, yeah. for example, Absolutely when he's getting beat, you can, you can just see it on his face. Yeah. He's, he's, oh, he's down the tunnel in the 89th minute, man. Look at Klopp. Yeah. Like, I, I, can, I can imagine Mourinho going at the change room and yeah. smashing the change room. Yeah. <laughs> nah. Yeah, definitely, I can, man. You I can't can see that. Yeah, it's, it's good game, lads. It's, it's good try. Point, oh, let's, at some point, let's go back, can't Like, I can't do Let's let's uh let's move on from Bruce. Well, kind of move on from Bruce. There was a thing a few weeks ago about um, the bust up with Matt Ritchie. Obviously, you guys know more than that. All I know is that we were a bust up with Matt Ritchie. But what was the the kind of oracle around? So that? what what basically happened is we were playing Wolves one 0 up. We had, we had a free kick in their half. Bruce decides to make one substitution, but makes about five tactical changes with this sub. So much so that we've got. Right. I think it was Murphy and Richie ended up being playing right back together. Um, all of this, Shelby, Richie came on the pitch, Shelby took the free kick straight away. And basically what happened was we hadn't organised the new tactics on the pitch. Now, right. because of that, Wolves broke immediately from the free kick and scored down down our left-hand mm-hmm. side, shocked because we didn't have a player there. Bruce then came out at the end of the uh, match, did his conference, but then said that it was Richie's fault for not passing on these instructions. Now, I'm sorry, but if you're, if right. you're a player coming on, you're coming on. You're going to give one or two instructions. It was our free kick as well. It wasn't like Wolves, Wolves were trying to take it quickly. We we could have taken mm-hmm. 30 seconds to reset the formation. Check everyone's right. right. Again, there's no fans in the pit in the stadium. Bruce can yell across the pitch, and everyone can hear him. That 20 seconds. So what was what? When did the bust up so, happen? Then was it during? Because the game? of that, he came out at the end of the conference, uh, the end of the game pr- press conference, threw Rich under the bus, did Bravka, Jamal Lewis, and a few others. Richie then went to his car, phoned Bruce to try and have it out with him after the game. Bruce said, mm-hmm. no, 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 we'll leave it yeah. till Tuesday because we're back in on Tuesday. They were off Monday. One of their five days off a week, apparently, because they only train twice a week like... now. Um, twice a week. He yeah. came in. Yeah, mental. Um, so he came in. Richie came in. One of the, I think it was Steve Agnew came down and said that oh, Bruce wants to see you. Mm-hmm. Richie went, tell him to F off. I don't want to see him. Bruce comes storming down into the pitch and starts having it out with them. Actually, shoulder barge, apparently, according to reports, Richie as well. Kicking off, screaming. Obviously, media got wind of it. A few a few, a few of the journalists got wind of it. All made press on the Wednesday. And shock, Lee Charnley showed up on Wednesday as well. First time we've ever seen him in near the club well. for how many ever years, to be honest. Uh, mm-hmm. But what, what got me was not the fact it got out that Bruce Bruce was angry about. He was angry about who leaked it. He, what, he didn't care that the bus stop right. happened. And I'm sat there going, you should be mm-hmm. caring about this. This is a huge challenge of authority as you as a manager and shows the disparity in the squad between you and other players and between you and the players. And yet you're trying to find out who the mole on the ground was. Yeah. No, if it wasn't already apparent, it seems to me like he's lost the dressing room. I mean, I, I think that's, I think that's oh, apparent. Massively. But uh, I think... Um... I think we'll move on to to what you, what you boys think is going to happen next for Newcastle in terms of relegation and things like that. What what do you think you'll get relegated? If you do get relegated, who's the next man to be brought in? Where do you see the development? Uh, Dev, we'll go to you first. It's like you just you don't know. You know what I mean? We do, we don't we don't know what's going to happen. This this is the thing with Newcastle. It's the most unpredictable yeah. club in the world. Like that that Pardew season where we finished fifth, nobody saw that coming, but it was bloody lovely. Mm-hmm. Like we, we we don't know. I, I personally think yeah, yeah, we definitely. are gonna get relegated this season. I hope it doesn't happen. I don't wanna be like I don't wanna be negative about it, but if you put two and two together, you usually get four. And that is the direction Newcastle mm-hmm. seems to be going in. Unless we pull our finger out, change something. I think the manager needs to go. He should have gone months ago. But Hundred percent. He needs yeah. to go now. He needs to go now. Do you think he needs to go before the end of the season? Or, or there is, work? there is absolutely. We know what's coming with Bruce for the re- for the rest of the season. We absolutely know it. A change of manager might change something. It might give us, you know, an opportunity. We saw it with Rafa. Too little, too late. He got he got very close to staying up though. 
Um, you look, you look mm. at Graham Jones since he came in at the end of January. He's changed a lot of things, even though he's like second fiddle to Bruce. Performance-wise, we've seen the upturn, coincidentally, in that alone. This, a new manager will do that as well. This is what I can't get my head around. Bruce is costing, I think, £4 million to release. How much is he going to lose, mm-hmm. Ashley, if we yeah. go down? 10 times that, 20 times that, however much, you know, millions and millions of pounds. The £4 million pound gamble, well, right? it's not worth Some it. Some of the coaches that Newcastle have got yeah. in the academy, which run the 23s, the 18s, are some of the best coaches you could you could ever, ever see. Give one of them a shot. Get rid of Steve. So that's it for episode five. A huge thank you for joining us again this week. Once again, thank you to Ollie and Dev for taking part. That's been one of my favourite episodes to record so far. If you yourself did like this episode and the flow that it took in terms of going into in-depth analysis on how clubs are doing and connecting with their fans, then please let us know on all social media platforms. Unfortunately, we're now going into an international break and club football is coming to a standstill. Don't fear though, throughout the next few weeks we will be getting in contact with many other fans and discussing what's going on at their clubs, as well as discussing some of the international results. But until next week, keep yourself safe and we'll speak to you then.